Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is living and active. And I thank you so much that we can uh, we can read it together. I thank you. Uh, as Carl prayed that we do this in freedom. It's not secret. But, uh, we do this in freedom that it's not uh, oppressed as well. That, um, we can question and we can be curious here. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us uh, in our in our hearts to really seek after you today and seek after what you're saying to us. Um, and I, I pray that you'd help me as I as I speak, um, and uh, that we'd be we'd be able to have, have a really good um, good time of both being fed from your word now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Right, so if you're uh, joining us uh, today. Hello, welcome. Uh, we are currently going through a series uh, in the book of 1 Thessalonians, which is a letter from Paul uh, to the church in a place called Thessalonica. And while our pastor Alex is away on holidays, uh, we are, well, a few of us from the congregation are taking turns uh, to have a go at doing the sermon. And so today I'm afraid you've got me. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We trust you. Cheers, Al. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, today we're looking at the second coming of Jesus, don't know if that's why you came uh, for today, um, but yeah, we're looking at Judgment Day. So just wondering, what uh, does the image of uh, Judgment Day, what kind of images does that conjure up for you? So I want to, uh, for a moment, think about what it's like to explain the Day of the Lord to friends, uh, to other people that we know. Um, what kind of things uh, go through your head? If I said, okay, can you explain what uh, the second coming is to, to a non-Christian friend, maybe. What kind of comes to mind? So there's embarrassment, maybe. Like, what, do you really believe that? There's fear of, like, how do I explain this? How, do, do I have enough? Um, am I sure what the Bible says? Am I, am I really sure? Um, there's pain as well. The person you're talking to may be a close friend and might, might be someone who's destined for God's judgment. And then maybe there's something in our hearts as we think about it that means that we don't really want to think of Jesus' coming as real uh, or as soon. And so we need to be able to talk sensitively about the day of the Lord, what, what that is. Um, and there are lots of, of wrong or lots of mixed up views uh, and there are some really helpful views as well uh, that are out there. But um, uh, fortunately we have a really firm foundation, we have the word of God. Here, and it's much more sensible than most people, um, than all people. Uh, so we need to see what the Bible says uh, so firstly then, we've got a little outline on the inside of the sheets uh, so you can follow on uh, with where I'm going today as well so firstly then, what is the day of the Lord what even is it uh, is, is it an asteroid hitting Earth? is it uh, uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day what is the day of the Lord well um, so uh, the idea of uh, the day of the Lord is introduced in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, which I've got on the sheets there, um, verse 9 to 10. So it says, They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and here it is, and to wait for his Son from heaven. So his Son is coming again from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. So Jesus will come again, that's, that's it in blue there, to wait for his son from heaven. Um, and, uh, and at that time, two things will happen. There will be the coming wrath, which you see highlighted at the end in purple, and Jesus who rescues us, highlighted in orange. 
so there's two things. So there's two clear camps that people fall into. One, on one side, uh, there are those who don't take the second coming of Jesus seriously. Uh, and they say, peace and safety, peace and security. And they come under the sudden destruction of God's anger. On the other hand, there are those who are rescued, and they have become children of light. So, what is the day of the Lord? Well, it's the day when Jesus comes again, and everyone will be judged, and either face God's anger, or face his rescue. So that's, what is the day of the Lord? So, yeah, there's two things. So, when is the day of the Lord? When is the day of the Lord? So we get to our passage for today. And the Thessalonians' question to Paul is, so when is this going to happen? When is Jesus going to come again? Is it going to be really soon? Is it going to be in a long time? That, that makes a difference uh, about what job I decide to get or uh, how I can bear up in this persecution. If Jesus is coming really soon, then maybe I don't need to get a job. Uh, so, so the Thessalonians are asking this question, when? When's it, when's it happening? What times? What seasons? Which means, what signs? What signs are we looking out for to say Jesus is coming again? Um, you know, we all like to plan ahead. So, when will Jesus come again? Well, their, their, their question was not, will the day of the Lord happen? There was no doubt about that. Uh, it was when. And the answer, of course, is no one knows. You all know that. We know no one knows. Uh, anyone who claims they know, they don't know. And Paul says, you know very well, no one knows. It will be a surprise. Paul echoes a phrase that Jesus himself used. He said, the day of the Lord will be like a thief. It will come like a thief in the night. So I've been burgled twice in my life. Both times were to do with leaving the front door open. Or not open, but unlocked. So I wasn't thinking anyone would break in. You know, if, if I had, obviously, I would have been more prepared. So I wasn't prepared. I wasn't expecting a burglar to come in and take my stuff. Um... When Jesus talks about the day of the Lord being like a thief, he says it will be like in the days of Noah, where right up to the day of the flood, people were eating and drinking and giving themselves in marriage, getting married and giving people in marriage, giving their sons and daughters in marriage, celebrating. Uh, right up, can you imagine having a wedding day on the day of the flood? That is, that is gutting, isn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> a bit more than gutting. A bit more than but the point is they were not prepared they were not ready as verse 3 of our passage uh, today says people are all saying oh, peace and safety you can see that verse 3 while people are saying peace and safety then destruction will come on them so it will be sudden um, and people are saying peace and safety now aren't they peace and security oh God isn't going to do anything God doesn't, God doesn't act does he the idea that Jesus will come again now is a, it's a laughable idea. And you might, yeah. But we haven't even finished building Crossrail. You know, something like that. Uh, it, can't, it can't happen yet. And suddenly, it will be like labour pains. Like labour pains. A friend of mine was having contractions. She called the hospital and said, should I come in? I said, no, you got loads of time. It's your first birth. So she took a paracetamol and went to bed. Uh, and in the middle of the night, she woke up in a lot of pain with a head coming out between her legs. And <laughs> she gave birth just before the paramedics got there. Um, and yeah, so it was very quick, it was very painful, and paracetamol was not enough of a painkiller. <laughs> so, in the same way, the day of the Lord will be a surprise. Uh, it, will, it will come really quick. 
um, and it would, be, it would be a painful day for many people. So, having said, it will be a shock. It will be a surprise. Paul moves their question on. So their question is when, what times and seasons, but Paul moves their question away from that to a better question, which is how can I be ready? How can I be ready? So all we need to know about the when is that we don't need to know when. The only thing we need to know is how to be ready. So, that's the labour pains. So how can we be ready for the day of the Lord? So the passage uh, pictures the person who is ready for the day of the Lord and the person who isn't. And we're going to look at those differences now. There are differences in what we believe, where we belong, and how we behave. What we believe, where we belong, and how we behave. So firstly, what what they believe. Um, Verse 3 and verse 4 help us out here. It says, while people are saying, peace and safety... Destruction will come on them suddenly, as labour pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. So the problem for these people is that they're telling themselves that God isn't doing anything. They're quite happy. They don't believe that Jesus will come again. They believe they are living in peace and safety. The Thessalonian church, however, have been taught that Jesus will come soon. And they prepare, they prepare for it just by believing that it could happen at any moment. So the challenge for us here is to believe what we've been taught. And as with uh, the message from last week, to encourage each other with these words. And so a few questions to reflect on. What do you struggle to believe about the second coming of Jesus? That it could be today? You know, hopefully not before X or Y happens, crossrail. Do you struggle to believe that the day of the Lord will be good? Maybe that's your struggle. That it will be a great thing to meet God and live with him. Or that even though you leave some things behind... That God's kindness and love will be everything you need. So what do you find harder to believe? And maybe what do you find harder to explain as well? And maybe we can discuss that more at the end. But remember, we are not, uh, we are not in darkness. So verse 4 uh, says, You are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you. We're not in darkness. Everything we need to know is here in the Bible. Everything we need to know. And Paul says in verse 2, you yourselves are fully aware, for you know very well, in verse 2, for you know very well, you're fully aware, uh, that the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And how are we fully aware? How do we know these things? How are we not in darkness? Well, it's because we've been taught what Jesus said. We've been taught what Jesus said and we believed it. And so, first thing, we need to believe what we've been taught. Secondly, secondly, these two places present two different places to belong. Two different places to belong. So verse 5, you can look at it on the sheets. 
You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So this is about who you are. So on the one side you've got darkness and belonging to the night. On the other side you've got children of the light and belonging to the day. But what does that mean? Well, so darkness or night is a, is a place of not seeing. And you can't see. As in verse 4, you can be surprised by a thief in darkness. It's a place of, uh, of surprise, of not seeing, of danger and of insecurity. Ironically, it is the opposite of the place that people in verse 3 are saying they're in. They're saying peace and security. They're in a place of danger and insecurity. The light, on the other hand, where we belong, is where all is known and where all is seen clearly. So darkness is therefore both not understanding the truth of God and it's a place where the coming of Jesus will find us unprepared. Uh, to return to 1 Thessalonians 9, uh, 1 verse 9, uh, those in darkness are those who haven't turned to God from idols. They still uh, are looking for their idols. Whereas the children of light, in contrast, are those who Jesus rescues from the coming wrath. Again, what does that look like today? What does that look like for us? Uh, this, is, this is tricky, I think, uh, to try and work this out. Um, but I think this is your identity if you're a Christian today. This is who you are. This is, this is who you are. You belong to the day. And uh, these ideas, believe, belong, behave, they're not, they're not kind of separate ideas, they're all linked. And you can see the linking words at the start of verse 5 um, in the original is for, and the start of verse 6 um, is so then. So, so there's, a, there's a flow here that what we believe comes out of where we belong, and what we do, our behaviour, comes as a result of where we belong as well. And so our identity is really central in that. Um, and the great thing about belonging is actually you don't have to do that much to belong. It's quite a natural thing. Belonging is, is an unshakable identity. So who, who's been watching the Olympics? Have any of you been watching the Olympics? Yeah, show of hands. Yeah, most of you, some people don't know what the Olympics are. Um, and just think, which country have you been supporting? Team GB and Northern Ireland. Okay, brilliant. GB. And the Northern Ireland is really important to you, I can tell. Yeah, well, that's, that's interesting, isn't it? So, um, and some people would give different answers. Uh, we're not just all Team GB here. Um, as hard as that is to believe. So, just as when we're supporting teams at the Olympics, our bias is towards the country that we most belong to, the one we identify with. So in the same way, we belong to the day. We are children of the light of God. And, and it changes who we cheer for, basically. So our gold medal moment is the moment when Jesus comes again and we get to meet him face to face for the first time. And the child of, dark has, the, child of the dark has nothing like that to look forward to. In that moment when Jesus comes again, all their idols will be smashed. All their idols will be taken away from them. They will lose everything that they thought they had been building. 
and instead they face God's anger and justice. They will have to stand on their own before Jesus and say why they preferred their idols to him. And that's where we would stand too. But now by some miracle we are children of light. We belong to the day and who we are affects what we do. So just like a light switch only has a, an on and an off, a conventional light switch, we're not talking about demos here, we'll have some of this illustration, it's on and off. You can either be in the light or you can be in the dark, there are only two settings. And we fit into one of those camps. Either we are in the darkness, on the right there, on the left, we belong to the night, and on the other side, children of the light, we belong to the day. So how we, where we belong affects how we behave, affects what we do. So thirdly, how do we prepare for the day of the Lord? Well, how do we behave? Uh, so what do we do? Uh, this, this begins so then. So remember that this is linked. Uh, it's not standalone. It's linked to the fact that we already belong to the day. So this doesn't earn our salvation in any way. So let's read this from verse 6. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. So again, this does not earn our salvation. Yet, we do need to be awake and sober. That is, we need to be prepared to tell God everything that we have done. We need to be ready for Jesus to come again. It's a scary thought, probably. What questions are you going to ask? Why did you prioritise that? What did you pour your life into? What did you work for? What comfort did you seek? Were you generous? And obviously immorality is in view here as well. So this is about a state of mind. Um, the application of this passage by the way is not don't get drunk um, otherwise sleeping would also be simple which it isn't um, instead this is about living a life uh, that reflects who we are as followers of Jesus who know that he will come again as judge and that we wait expectantly for it so I think it's easy to, to just start looking around us at the world uh, and think, oh, if I had that, if I had that, like, what would you fill in the back? If I had that, I'd be happy. If I had, I'd be happy. And these things intoxicate us. They make our minds drunk on this world. And intoxicate us away from being prepared for Jesus to come. And likewise, when we have comforts that we want to hold on to, the things that we already have, that we find comfortable, they make us sleepy. And we just say, five more minutes with this, Lord. There's nothing wrong with these things. I want to be really clear about that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do a good job at work, wanting uh, to to provide for your family, um, with, with all good things, as the Bible says. Nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. But if these become an idol, that oversteps the line, becomes an idol, then they stop being good. 
So we need to be awake, we need to be sober-minded, we need to be alert. And verse 8 finishes with the idea of putting on the armour uh, like a soldier. So like a soldier in war, we should be alert, we should be awake, we should be like a soldier on duty, ready to move at a single word from our commander, leaving everything in the camp behind if we need to. And the armour we put on is faith and love. So faith, that idea of believing again, love, that idea of serving each other and serving God. Um, and, and chapter 1 talks about your labour prompted by love as well, so your toil, um, that, that it helps you to go beyond just, just doing, doing something. It actually helps you to work hard, even though it gets tough, even though it gets hard. Um, and then the helmet of the hope of salvation to prevent us from thoughts of despair, uh, to help us endure when it gets hard. Again, chapter 1, verse 3, talks about the hope that leads to endurance, your endurance, uh, brought about by hope. And this hope is not a, not a fingers-crossed kind of hope. It's not, oh, I hope I win the lottery. It's, uh, it's the kind of hope that doesn't have a lottery ticket. It's, it's, it's a ticket that you've bought to a show, um, and you're in line for that. It's an expectant hope. Uh, that you're about to see something great. great. So that's how we behave. We are alert and we are awake and ready for the day of the Lord to come. So we believe, we belong, and we behave. We believe that Jesus will come again. We belong to that day. That is our gold medal moment. And we behave as if he might come at any moment. So, are we ready or not? Verse 9. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. And the two camps that we saw in verse 3 to 7 have very different destinies. Very different destinies. Verse 9 makes it clear. God has destined those in darkness for wrath, for angry justice. Which according to these verses means sudden destruction. In verse 3, destruction will come on them suddenly. That there will be no escape. Again, verse 3, they will not escape. These people have to stand on their own before God and plead the weight of their good works. Please accept these. And the lightness of their bad works. Oh, it wasn't that bad, was it, Lord? And it won't turn out well for them. And we were all like them at one time. We were all in the dark. We were all attracted to the dark. All of us wanting things our own way. We know this. We know that sin is still so strong in us. And nothing I naturally do ever will, will please God. And so I'm under his anger. Until I move from darkness into light. Because now we, we, yes, we can belong to the dead. We can obtain salvation as it says here. We can get salvation. Which according to these verses means we will live with him. We will live with God. You see that at the end of verse 10. We may live together with him. With God, with a caring Father who protects us. 
with a creative God who designs galaxies and birdsong and pomegranates with, I don't know why I thought pomegranates, but they are amazing, aren't they? With the personal God who knows everything about us down to the hair on our heads. With the wise God whose every word is delightful to hear. With God who rejoices over us with beautiful singing. So God has not destined us for his wrath, for anger. Instead, we obtain salvation. We get God's rescue so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Well, how did this happen? Well, verse 10 says it. At the start of verse 10. Or at the end of of verse 9. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, he died for us. So there are two possible destinies for everyone in the world. Just two. And I know we know this, I know we know this, but I just want to look this truth in the eye as we close. Every person will die and face God. And either they will face him in wrath and anger as they see for the first time the good God that they rejected. Or else this person will be warmly accepted, warmly received into heaven and will live with God for the whole duration of their pain-free perfect, eternal life. There are only two destinies. There are only sheep and goats. There are only wheat and weeds. And the only difference between these two eternal destinies, the only difference between eternity away from God and eternity with God, is held in these words. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, Our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. Our Lord, for he is God. He is our master. Jesus, the baby born in the manger, whose name means God saves, who comes to be our saviour, incarnate on earth. Christ, the promised one, the anointed one, the king, who died for us. And in one act, Jesus made it possible that the anger of God could be turned away from me and onto him on the cross, all because of the cross all because he bought salvation for me all because he paid the eternal price of salvation all because the Lord Jesus Christ died for us so that we might live with him all because of the cross and that's the difference that's why I can believe in him that's how I belong to the day, that's how I behave in love for him, that's why I'm not in darkness but a child of light through Jesus Christ who died for us. And that's the difference. Not what we've done. Not who we try to be. Not because we deserved it. Through our Lord Jesus Christ who suffered the cross for us. And that's the difference between hell and heaven. Between eternal punishment and eternal life. Between God's wrath and his mercy. Between sudden destruction and lasting peace and safety between separation from God and living with him through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. And that's the only way we can be ready for the day of the Lord. That's the difference. He is the only difference. Our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. 
And so as verse 11 concludes, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing.